Baptist Chapel, how are you guys doing? Oh, I hope that you had a good Thanksgiving, and I'm so excited that you came back from Thanksgiving. You guys are all full, hopefully, with turkey, and uh, you came back to church to to worship with us, which is exciting, so um, that's a wonderful thing. Um, it's good to be here, and it's good to be uh, with you to sing and, and, to, and to think about some really cool stuff that we have going on. Uh, so, um, welcome, welcome, welcome. I'm excited. Um, hopefully, you weren't too wet coming in, but it's good to be here. Uh, we had an awesome time at our Thanksgiving service uh, this last Tuesday. Um, it was a great time. We got to uh, sing songs. We got to take communion together. We got to share stories of, um, of what God has been doing in our life, and it was great. And if you missed it, I'm really sorry for you, but it's okay. It's okay because I ate your pie for you because we had a pie social after. I know you were all really worried about that, so I took care of it. I like to serve you all by eating pie. So um, there we go. Um, just to uh, recap, uh, to, at, to after the service today, we're going to be decorating this place with some amazing Christmas stuff, so stay um, a little bit longer and hang the greens with us. I feel like there should be a song or something that goes with the hanging of the greens. Doesn't that sound like a song? Um, but anyway, we have been going through a series called What Ails You, and it's all about the things that make us spiritually sick as Christians. And, and last week we talked about loneliness, and, I, and if you were here for that, I hope that you were encouraged uh, by, by what, we, what we talked about and, and what we came through. Um, and I just want to tell you, it's actually been a real challenge studying uh, for this series, and, and I'll tell you why. Um, when you study the things that ail you, um, I, it makes me uh, kind of sad, and it makes me feel down. And I'm driving home after a long day of studying these topics, and I just, I kind of feel dirty. I feel um, like I need to take a shower. And that's a good thing. That's a good thing because these things need to be talked about. And I think one of the reasons that it's hard to study for them is it's, it's, it's kind of taboo in our, topic, uh, in, our, in our culture to talk about the things that make us really sick. Uh, and so um, it's good, and, and I hope that you get some encouragement. Um, hopefully, every message in this series will feel like a sunrise. And I got to see a, a beautiful sunrise this Saturday morning, and, and it's amazing what it does. And maybe some of you work nights, and if you've ever worked nights, it, it kind of doesn't matter what happens at night as long as you get to feel the sun rays hit you in the face in the morning. And, and I can tell you, that's my hope as we talk about these difficult topics. Then, then when we learn what Jesus has to say about them, hopefully it feels like a great sunrise. So this, uh, this week we get to talk about a doozy. We get to talk about one that I don't think it's talked about very much, and I'm excited to do it. It's, it's on anxiety. Um, and anxiety is one of those things that all of us, to some degree, have anxiety in our life. And then the other side of the spectrum is people that actually suffer from anxiety disorders. Uh, and as it turns out, the United States, as a country, has the highest amount of anxiety disorders than anybody, any other country in the world. So, so you can safely say this is a problem in our society, in our culture. Anxiety is something that is almost so normal, we've kind of moved on and don't talk about it anymore. So I wanted to bring it up, and, and I wanted to study and see what Jesus has to say about it, because there is some incredible hope, um, and as it turns out, this thing is crippling our, our culture. Um, and a recent study shows that anxiety disorders are the most prevalent mental disorders in the United States, not only in the United States, but of all the disorders out there. So it, it's a big, big deal. Um, and, and we know that there's a host of things that cause anxiety. 
Now, it doesn't matter if you're a child or if you're an adult. There are many, many things that can produce anxiety in our lives. And for me, poor choices um, produce anxiety. Changing and unforeseen circumstances, it's like the unknown, uh, produces anxiety. And other people's poor choices produce anxiety, whether it's a family member, a friend, or a neighbor, or, or someone you work with. Mismanaged expectations those produce anxiety. You're going, this isn't what I expected. This isn't what I anticipated. And here I am struggling with anxiety. Um, especially fear of the unknown. When you don't know how something is going to turn out, that can produce that feeling of anxiety in you. Listen to what Dietrich Bonhoeffer says about anxiety. Much that worries us beforehand can afterwards quite unexpectedly have a happy and simple solution. Worries just don't matter. Things really are in a better hand than ours. And this is Dietrich's way of saying someone is in control, and that someone does it better than you, and that someone is God. And that can be a, a peaceful reality when you realize it. So the question is, is what do we do about anxiety? How do we deal with anxiety, especially as Christians in today's culture that struggles with anxiety? How do we handle anxiety? Anxiety ails us all, so now what? And, and I'm, I'm really excited to share with you a story um, from uh, the book of Matthew where Jesus actually deals with this thing, and he, and he tells us what to do with it. But before we do that, I just want to give you a little context of this chapter. This is chapter 11 in Matthew, and there is a lot, a lot going on in this chapter, and I think it sheds a little bit of light on what um, why Jesus says what he says to the people that he talks to. In the beginning of this chapter, you, you kind of, if you read through it, and I hope that you do read through it, take it home, read through it, it's, it's fascinating. But Jesus goes through and he actually talks about different towns that he's been through and, and done miracles in. And he says these towns are going to be worse off than Tyre and Sidon, two very rebellious towns in the Old Testament, because um, of, of the miraculous signs that these towns have seen, and they didn't repent. They didn't, it didn't, re, didn't do anything for them. And he goes on to say that if, if Tyre and Sidon had seen the stuff that you guys have seen, they would be better off. They would have repented by now. But you, these different towns, and it's kind of this aggressive, um, almost angry chapter that Jesus is really getting after these areas that aren't responding the way that he hopes. He even quotes Jeremiah 6, 16, which is basically the, the prophet Jeremiah saying, they have been shown, the, the nation of Israel, they have been shown the way that produces rest, but they choose not to walk in it. Jesus is saying, this is what you guys are struggling with. You have been shown this, and you're refusing to walk in it. And then Jesus has this really funny prayer. Jesus does this with prayer at times. He will pray something for the benefit of the people that are listening. So he'll say, Father, I know that you know this, and I know I know this, but this is for the people that are, <laughs> that are He's like preaching like through a prayer. He says in this prayer that he thanks God that, that God has confused the wise on this idea, and he's revealed this truth to the children. And you're like, wait, what? Like Jesus, the, the children for some reason get this better than us adults. And there's a reason why. I'm going to read to you the passage. We'll put the um, words on the screen here. This is Matthew 11:28 through 30. Jesus says to the people that he's addressing, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. 
and I'm like jumping up in the back of the room. That's me. That's me. I am weary. I am burdened. And he says, come, I will give you rest. 29, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart, and you will find rest for your souls. Wow, is that refreshing. For my yoke, he goes on to say, is easy, and my burden is light. And I go, I don't, I read this and I go, I want that. I want that. My day-to-day, my stress, my anxiety, I want rest. I want it. So why would Jesus say something like that to a group of people that he's also telling them that they haven't repented and he's frustrated? You see, Jesus in this chapter is responding to a religious group or a religious sect that has made it very, very difficult for the people in that religion. The religious authority knew, because they had the prophets, they had the writings of the prophets, they knew that they were supposed to submit and that they would find rest. And if they taught that to the people, the people would have rest. But instead, these religious leaders, and I can't harp on religious leaders too much because I'm one of those, (laughs) to be careful, But those religious leaders were literally making it harder and harder and harder for people to follow God by the rules that they were setting up. And they did it for a reason. They knew they were supposed to preach repentance, and they weren't, and they were twisting it into something else. They were turning the heat up on the people um, to make a profit. And and we, in our today society and culture, and I'll be the first one to tell you, you, you don't go into the ministry to make money. But back then, you did. In fact, some theologians argue that in this day, this is the best, most profitable career you could have in Israel, is to be a priest or a teacher of the law or a Pharisee. And if you could get in, it's like law school, if you could get in to Harvard, oh man, would you make great money. And that's what these guys were doing. Now, of course, that there were spiritual leaders there that were genuine in trying to, to minister, but they were, there was this group that were trying to do it for profit. These authorities were preaching a works-based version of salvation. That's not originally what the Jewish part of religion was about. That's not the way that, that God had set it up, but they were twisting it into it being a you-have-to-do-to-get type theology. You have to do to get. So if you want to get salvation, you got to do these things. And that list seemed to grow and grow and grow. And Jesus is looking at these people who are exhausted, and they're struggling with anxiety and frustration and and fear, because next year we don't know what the authorities are going to come up with, and we don't know how we're going to do it. It was so difficult for them just to meet Yahweh. And that was the goal. So Jesus is saying, don't submit to that group. They're making your life miserable. No wonder why you're stressed and weary and burdened. Jesus is saying, come to me. I am the Messiah. I am the fulfillment of the law that the prophets talked about. The thing, the very thing that these Pharisees and leaders had added on to. I'm the fulfillment of that. Come to me. Jesus says, my righteousness will literally be your righteousness if you trust me. That's how how I will take care of you. Jesus says, if you submit and trust me, 
I will do this for you. So it's natural for him to go, come here. It's okay. I'm going to work this out. I can do this. You just need to come here and submit to me. Come to me, all who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. Wow, that sounds wonderful. You know, later on, Paul, later on in the timeline, uh, Paul also addresses the issue of anxiety in his letter to the church in Philippi. And I'm going to put these words up as well. I won't put them up. Dwayne will put them up. Thank you, Dwayne. I'm not that good. Paul says to his church, Philippians 4, 4 through 7, Rejoice in the Lord always, even though you're dying for your faith in that time. I will say it again. He says, Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. And then that famous line in verse 6, Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, and thanks, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. It's a simple relationship. Verse 7, and the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Wow, does that sound refreshing. The crazy, chaotic nature of life is getting us down And Jesus is saying, just come here. And Paul is saying, you need to rejoice and present your request to God. And if you do that, peace will protect you. So many times I've read that line in this passage that says, do not be anxious. And I go, I throw my hands up and I go, how in the world am I not going to be anxious? Lord, do you see what's going on in my life? (laughs) Everything is unknown. How can I not be anxious? How in the world can I obtain that? And without even thinking, I immediately twist this passage into something that I'm supposed to produce. I'm supposed to work it out. I'm supposed to control my environment to the point that I can resist anxiety. (laughs) Well, we'll soon find out that produces anxiety. We know Jesus is asking us to come to him, and he will give us rest, but it seems so far away. You can come to church on Sunday, and you can hear a message, but Monday's coming, and the boss wants the project done ahead of schedule, and that drives you to anxiety. And a very distant whisper on Monday morning, you hear Jesus saying, come on, come to me. I will give you rest. And then by Tuesday, Everything has gone to heck in a handbasket, and you can't even remember what Sunday was about. And that's the way life goes. So how do we come to Jesus? How do we not have anxiety, as Paul says? The interesting thing about this passage in Philippians is you can almost read it in reverse. And I think it's actually helpful, maybe more helpful if you read it in reverse. It sounds like this, God's peace will guard your hearts. If you present your request to God with thanksgiving in every situation, which will make anxiety something that you won't need. Interesting. See, anxiety comes from desired outcomes that don't happen. I want my life a certain way, and when that doesn't happen, something snaps in my brain and I get frustrated, and then I get nervous, and I'm not sure how life's going to go, and I get anxious 
Anxiety is present when we realize that we're on shaky ground. Maybe you've gone through a transition in your life recently and you don't know what life looks like all of a sudden. Shaky ground. Anxiety. Anxiety floods my mind when I look around and I say, this isn't what I signed up for. This is not at all what I thought life was going to be like. Anxiety. It's not the way it's supposed to work. This isn't the picture that I had in my mind. And I look around for something to hang on to. And I read this passage about God's peace protecting me. And I go, I don't care what it takes. Sign me up for that. If you want God's peace to guard you, then you have to go to him. And you have to go to him with thankfulness. You have to give thanks. And then Paul says, you have to tell him what you need. Present your requests. In fact, Paul doesn't even say, tell him what you need. He just says, present your requests. Present your requests to God. And I usually throw in what I want there as well as what I need. If you do this and you practice this, Anxiety will be something your body doesn't need anymore. You won't need it because you will have been reminded that you're not in control. You will have been reminded that you're not in control. He is, and believe it or not, he's really good at it. He's not always good at meeting our expectations, but he's good at being in control. You see, the opposite of anxiety isn't control. And that's the instinct when we feel anxiety is, okay, I don't want to feel this way. I got to control my situation. But the opposite of anxiety is peace. And that is an interesting idea. You can have peace in times of turmoil. Your life can be a mess and you can have peace because the opposite of anxiety isn't control. The interesting thing about control is we were never meant to be in control. Isn't that interesting to think about it that way? We were never really meant to be in control. We were meant and we were built and we were formed to respond to God who is in control. That's what we were made for. We were made to worship. We were made to worship God for who he is and what he does. And God has said, hey, no, I'll be in control. You worship me for that control. So we were really never meant to manage this kind of stuff. So it makes sense that the only place we feel free of anxiety, fear, and weariness is in the presence of the one who is actually in control. It fits. That's what we were designed to do. And this is why, and this is what I want you to remember. If nothing else, remember this from this message. Something, submitting to Christ through prayer and a thankful heart, is the only answer to anxiety. It's the only answer. The tricky thing about anxiety is it can rob us of our, our, our desire of, for prayer. It can rob us of the very fact that we want to pray. You see, anxiety whispers in our ear, this wouldn't be happening if you were better. Do you hear that echoing in your head whenever you feel bad or whenever you feel stressed out? And I replay these tapes in my mind. If, I, if I'd only just choose in B instead of A, everything would be fine. 
And then suddenly the guilt starts being racked up on me. If I was just better at it, if I was just more in control, if I just made more money, if I'd gotten that career opportunity, if I'd gotten that raise or that promotion, and on and on and on, and suddenly you're not just dealing with anxiety, you're dealing with guilt as well. Rack that on too. And this is why anxiety can be such a vicious cycle. It's like it whispers in your ear, it would be better for you if you were more like so-and-so. <laughs> and, and the so-and-so is actually getting whispered the same thing in their ear too. And it's a big secret. If we were just a little better at controlling. Anxiety is a vicious cycle. It tells us that controlling our environment will produce peace. But the thing is, is that's the very thing that causes anxiety. The very thing of, that causes anxiety is trying to control our environment. Now, before I go further, God has given us jobs, right? He has given us areas that we're supposed to control, right? He's given us jobs, and, and, and I'm not saying that we should just lay down on the job and not do anything. God has given us a certain set of responsibilities, and he expects us to work really hard at them. That's, that's part, of the, part of the relationship. I've got a life for you, and here's things that I want you to do in that life. But anxiety seems to show up when we step over our responsibilities and into his responsibilities. When we play God, isn't it weird? We get stressed out. <laughs> this is why thankfulness and prayer work at removing anxiety from your life. Because thankfulness reminds us of the control that God has. Just think about it. If you go through all the things that you're thankful that God has done in your life, you can't help but go, wow, God's done a lot of things. <laughs> That's amazing. It forces us to think about the things that he has done, which produces this understanding that God is in control. And when you pray, this is the beauty of prayer. When you pray, you're speaking with the Almighty. And when you speak with him, you start to think more and more like him just like any other relationship. When I talk to my wife and she talks back to me, we rub off on each other and we start to think the same way. And pretty soon I'm using phrases that she taught me and she's using phrases that I taught her and, and we're similar. And it's great because she's a lot smarter than me. I'll take that to the bank. That's one of the beauties of prayer. We, God rubs off on us. It gives us a pretty clear idea of our responsibility, where our responsibility stops and where his responsibility starts the more we pray. You can't, you can't know where that line is if you're not talking to him. You can guess, but you, but you can't really know. Here's the scary part. If we do not respond with, uh, to our anxiety with thankfulness and prayer, we can start to spiral and I've been there. <laughs> you start to spiral downwards. You start to really think that every aspect of your life is supposed to be controlled by you. And when that control slips away and life delivers what we all know life delivers, you start to feel like a horrible person because you can't control it all. 
And the more you feel that way, if you're not responding with thankfulness and prayer, the more you feel like you're supposed to control. And the more you're, you're out of control, the more horrible you feel about yourself. And it just keeps going down and down and down. And pretty soon you're making these decisions and you're going, my gosh, those are, those are horrible decisions. Why? How did I get here? You feel horrible about yourself and your life is completely out of control and you think it's your fault. Brutal. A brutal place to be. But if we submit to him with prayer and thankfulness, the world will rage and howl and God's peace will protect us. Now see, God's peace is not about getting what I want. It's about protection. It's about allowing yourself to have peace as you go through these difficult situations. It doesn't mean that life will go the way you want it to. It just means you'll be protected. It means that you'll be much more prepared to handle when life throws things at you. And this is the way Paul, you see Paul sitting in a jail cell in the beginning of Philippians saying, I'm joyful. And you're going, how in the world can you be joyful in one of the worst prison systems in the entire world sitting in a jail cell? And it's because peace has been protecting him. Oswald Chambers, Oswald Chambers says this, our yesterdays, present imp- uh, our yesterdays are present irreparable things to us. It is true that we have lost opportunities which, we will, nev- which will never return. But God can transform this destructive anxiety into constructive thoughtfulness for the future. Listen to this. He says, let the past sleep, but let it sleep on the bosom of Christ. Leave the irreparable past in his hands and step out into the irresistible future with him. Wow. He's pretty good with the words. (laughs) That is what I want. And I want it for me, and I want it for my wife, and I want it for my children, and I want it for you, and I want it for this community and our neighbors and, and all of it. I want peace to be found. And I just don't want peace to be found. I want it to be the kind of peace that protects us. Because life's not overall getting better. It's a tough world out there. So how do we do this? How do we actually allow God's peace to protect our hearts? This is not some ethereal thing that we just get to meditate on and go off, right? Because then Monday happens and Tuesday and Wednesday and by the time Friday, we don't know what ends up, right? That's the way life works. So there's some practicality to this. Paul knew what he was talking about. So I play this game and I play it with my kids and the irony is I play it with my kids when they're stressed out and anxious. But then when I'm stressed out and anxious, guess who reminds me to play the game? Yeah, my kids do. So my kids are a source of stress and anxiety, but they're also a stress, a source of peace and joy, which is the way kids work. So I do this with my kids, and, and, and this is the way we play it. Um, we, we make a thankful list. So that's, that's step one for everybody. Make a thankful list. And you might laugh and roll your eyes and go, oh, come on. But seriously, write it down. Whip out your laptop if you have to, and make as many points on this list as you can possibly get your mind around. Literally write down everything that you can articulate that you are thankful for. It'll blow your mind. At at like page six, you know, you're going to be going, wow, I'm only in like the first 15 years of my life. 
if you do it thoroughly, it will blow you away at what God has done for you. It will. Make the list. Sometimes when my son can't sleep, he'll call for me and I'll go in and, and I'll say, what's the matter? And he's scared or he's upset or something. Okay, let's play the game. And, and I'll make him go first. You go first. What are you thankful for? And he'll go, oh, I'm thankful for Disneyland. Yes, me too. I love Disneyland. Great. Now my turn. I'm thankful for my family. You go. And we go back and forth and back and forth. And I'm telling you, it takes like four turns before he's giggling and laughing and, and having a ball. That's the way this game works. You play the game. You make a thankfulness. And do it in your own time when you're by yourself and you can really focus and think about the things that you're thankful for. Make a thankful list. That's step one. Step two, thank him for them. <laughs> See, this is the easy part. We can go through all the things that we love and that we're thankful for. Isn't that great? And we forget to tie that in with actually this is what God has given you. If you're thankful for your wife or your husband, you need to understand that God provided that, a way for that to happen. You need to thank him for it. You thank him. You thank him for the list. Make a list, thank him for it. And then the next one, list out your needs. And I do it this way. I list out my needs and I list out my wants. Paul says to present our requests. He doesn't say anything about these needs, these are needs and we should never ask God for our wants. No, no, no. We give them all to God. We present our requests to God. Needs, wants, hopes, dreams, aspirations, you name it, you tell him. You tell him what you want. And make sure you understand that some of these are wants and some of these are needs. You make that and you present your requests to him. And then the very last step, the hardest one, you submit and you wait. You submit and you wait. And by the time you get to that point, the anxiety there's, there's almost no need for it anymore. It just kind of melts. Submitting to Christ through prayer and a thankful heart is the only way out of anxiety. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, there is so much that goes on in our life that causes us to be afraid, that causes us to be nervous, to be anxious, to be fearful. And Lord, we know this about life. And, and life was this way when you walked the earth and when you gave your life for it and you, and you rose again. It was like this then and it's like this now. Life with its unpredictability and its unexpected outcomes can feel like a storm. And we're just a little rowboat bobbing along hoping not to sink. And sometimes life goes well, and sometimes it doesn't. It's unpredictable. And so, Lord, I would ask that you would give each and every person in this room this morning the time and the opportunity and the, the discipline to write down what they're thankful for. And that you would give them the, the, the space to thank you for the things that they are thankful for. And, Lord, I ask that they would have the boldness to request what they want and what they need to you because you are a good, good father who loves them. 
Lord, if there's anyone in this room that struggles with anxiety, give them the peace that protects them. The peace that Jesus talked about, that, that passes understanding, or that Paul talked about, this peace that passes understanding. You can't explain it. And life is crazy, but I'm at peace. I ask, Lord, that that peace would protect each and every person's heart in here. We love you, Jesus, and we do not deserve your love, but you've given it, and we're thankful for it. In your name, amen.